0: The following resource is brought to you by Real Life Community Church in Richmond, Kentucky. We hope you're both challenged and encouraged by this message from Pastor Chris May. You have your Bible. You're reading from the English Standard Version. How many just appreciate that worship team? How about that drummer? (laughs) That's my son if you're new here, so... (laughs) I, of course, I attribute this great atmosphere to, to all his drumming, right? And I so appreciate Nick, our uh, new guy singing up here today. What an anointing he has and so grateful for each and every one of our singers. They worked so tirelessly to, to do. They were here till late last night uh, just rehearsing and, and getting ready. And we so appreciate them. Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Luke writing says this in the first book. Talking about the gospel of Luke. O Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God It's not for you to know the times of the season that the Father has fixed by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. This is the word of the Lord, I pray you receive it as such this morning. You may be seated. Well, before we begin a new series next week, I'm going to move verse by verse through the book of Jonah. kind of excited about that. I've never preached on Jonah. The only thing I've done is watched the VeggieTales version of that, right? Come on, how many have seen seen that, right? I want to preach today on the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, I was raised in a church with people who were by and large cessationists which are people who do not believe that the gifts of the Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for today. I was actually never taught one way or the other on this subject of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But in my early 20s, by virtue of my job and by virtue of the music that I played, I was in a Christian rock band, I began to rub shoulders with some very awesome, what we would call Pentecostal people. And I realized they weren't so scary after all. Right? Come on, somebody. How many of y'all just used to have some images in your head of Pentecostal folks? And soon after, I I had myself this amazing encounter with God. I was around these people, and I said, man, there's something different about them. There's something they have that I want. And so I I had this encounter with God and received for myself what we call the baptism in the Holy Spirit, incidentally, right at the start of my vocational ministry. And I don't think this is by accident. I'm grateful that I did not let a denominational lens stop me from receiving this beautiful work of the Holy Spirit. And I'm mindful today that there are some of you who grew up just like me in a church that does not embrace the gifts of the Spirit or the baptism in the Holy Spirit as this second work of the Spirit. And if you see this differently, let me just say this. I want you to know you're welcome here You have my heart. I love you. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, as long as you are indeed in Christ, I should say. But I would just challenge you today to try like I did to take off that denominational lens and just look as objectively as possible at the Bible with me. We're just going to take a journey through the scriptures today. You know me. I'm a Bible guy. The Bible says it. I believe it. Amen? Let me give you just one caveat here. The gifts of the Spirit have been abused in the church today. There's no doubt, okay? Just like they were in Corinth, by the way. This is nothing new. Go read Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, and you see how they were being uh, uh, abused. And there are certainly things that happen today, you might see them on TV, or maybe you've been to a church, that are said to be of God that may not necessarily be of God. And this has caused many people to avoid the move of the Holy Spirit. You heard the word, hear the word Pentecostal, or you hear, hear the word, the phrase baptism in the Holy Spirit, or, or whatever it might be. You, you get a little bit scared, and, and just you tend to avoid anything like that. But I would just implore you, do not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Amen? don't avoid the supernatural work of the spirit because of a bad experience and let me just as we were seeing i just felt the lord free me Can, can i just share this with you real quick this is free this is extra all right for some people i am not nearly pentecostal enough in other people i am way too pentecostal and you know what i've learned in ministry i just can't please everybody and I just felt as we were singing, Holy Spirit, you know, you're welcome here. I'm thinking in my mind up here now, how how do, how can I be Pentecostal enough for, you know, in, in, in this in case somebody's listening or 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 maybe how can I not take this too far? And I just felt the Lord say, just be you. Just be who I've called you to be. So I just feel a little bit of freedom this morning. I am Pentecostal. I don't make any apologies for it. I am who I am. And I'm just Excited to be here and to be able to preach this, what I believe is a great doctrine today. Okay? So just let me be me and you take the word and you study it as the Bereans did and you study the word for yourself and see what God might do in your life. So let me ask you this question How many of you all want all that God has for you? Every one of us, amen? All right, well, let's look at this today. Let's unpack this this text. Concerning the baptism in the Holy Spirit. What is the baptism in the Holy Spirit? What is this promise of the Father? Let me give you a definition and then I'm going to try to prove it with the scripture. Here it is The baptism, this is the essence of it. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is an extraordinary spiritual power available to all Christians to aid in the fulfillment of the Great Commission. That's my definition. There's many out there, but this is what I see from the Scripture. I'm going to read that one more time. You can write this in your notes. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is an extraordinary spiritual power available to all. Everybody say all. All Christians to aid in the fulfillment of the Great Commission. I want you to look at verse 4 of Acts 1 with me. And while staying with them, Jesus ordered these disciples not to depart from Jerusalem but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. The word baptized there is the Greek word baptizo, and it means to immerse or submerge. So if you went to Dunkin' Donuts this morning, can I get a witness, anybody? Oh, look, we're such a healthy church. (laughs) <laughs> Y'all had like oatmeal and fruit, right? I feel you. All right. So if you went, if you go to Dunkin Donuts and you take your donut and you dip it in your coffee, my friends, you have just baptized your donut. You can even make donuts spiritual, right? So, the phrases, baptism in the Holy Spirit, baptism with the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, this is what we're talking about. It is an immersion in the power of the Holy Spirit. It is to be baptized, or as Jesus says in Luke 24, 49, He says, Behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So, this is an immersion in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is my understanding of Scripture. Okay, again, you study this out, and 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 you ask the Lord. Um, but but I, this is what the conclusion that I've come through to trying to read the Bible as objectively as possible. This work of the Spirit is not the same. Work of the Spirit that happens at at salvation. When we are saved, the Holy Spirit actually baptizes us into the body of Christ. We're united with Christ, and we are indwelt by the Spirit. Every single Christian, true believer, has the Holy Spirit living within them. Romans 8, 9. You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, watch what... Paul says, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So every Christian has the Holy Spirit living within them. 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? John 3.5, Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit... He cannot enter the kingdom of God. So what we're talking about today with the baptism in the Holy Spirit is another work of God's Spirit, all right? Now, what's interesting, when you look at Acts, Jesus does not connect the baptism in the Holy Spirit to becoming part of the church or being united with Him. He doesn't tell the disciples, hey, wait for the promise of the Father, wait for the baptism with the Holy Spirit, and then you'll be united to me. Or then you're going to become part of the church. No, he says you'll be clothed with power. So to be baptized with the Holy Spirit is to be clothed with power or immersed with power. So let's take a journey, if we might, through the book of Acts, beginning with Acts chapter 2, the story of Pentecost. The disciples are told again, before you start your ministry, you're to wait on this promise. And in Acts 2.1, we see the fulfillment of this. Take a look with me at verse 1, Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, everybody say suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled, did you get that? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So here's what happens. Pentecost comes, the day of Pentecost. These followers of Jesus are filled with the Holy Spirit, and there is a sound of wind. Tongues of fire appear on each one of them, and they began to speak in languages they did not know. And what are they speaking? This is important. They're speaking about the mighty works of God. This is a God-glorifying event. And then Peter gives an explanation as to what's happening. And he quotes the prophet Joel. Look at verse 16 in Acts chapter 2. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Verse 17. And in the last days it shall be God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Now watch what he says happens. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit. They shall prophesy. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, there it is, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. So Peter's explanation to what's going on, all these people are going, man, what's going on? Are these guys drunk? What's wrong with them? The mockers are, 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 are you know, just bothering them. What, what's going on? What's the explanation? And Peter says, oh, this is what Joel prophesied. Now Jesus has ascended to the right hand of the Father, and he's poured out his spirit. Now many will people say, well, pastor, this is a one-time repeatable act, uh, unrepeatable act, excuse me. And that would be okay, except we have at least four other occasions in the book of Acts where this happens. Now, we don't see the wind and the tongues of fire resting on people. I do think that was a one-time thing. God could do it again. But we do see supernatural power, okay? You don't see the, the what's it say there, the, the tongues of fire resting on the heads, uh, I don't know what we would do with that today, but, but if it happened, God, God could do it. But, yeah, we don't see that repeated again. But I want, to, I want you to turn with me now to Acts chapter 4. In Acts 4, Peter and John are brought before the council, and they are threatened not to preach or teach in the name of Jesus. Folks, their lives are at stake. You better not preach or teach or do anything in the name of this Jesus And in response to this, they meet with many other believers and they pray for a boldness to share the word. And one of the things, by the way, I'd like you to notice is how prayer and this gift are connected. So they're praying for a boldness to share the word, even though their lives are at stake. And they pray that God would back them up with signs and wonders. Now, this is the disciples with some other people. We don't know exactly who they're with. But there's many people they are praying, Lord, give us a boldness. Now look at Acts 4.31. And when they, had all, when, when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. So this is a different experience, but it's, at the heart it's the same thing. And they were all filled, here it is again, with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. You know what's interesting here? They're not praying to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. They're praying for a boldness to share the Word of God. And God answers that prayer by baptizing them afresh in His Spirit. And by the way, Peter and John and possibly others with them already were filled with the Spirit in Acts chapter 2. There's good reason to believe that they, were, uh, that they had the Holy Spirit even before Acts 2 as far as indwelling in them But at least you you, you know that they received the Spirit in Acts chapter 2, and here they are now in Acts chapter 4, and they are receiving this again. And they're emboldened to continue to preach the Word of God. How many need more boldness just to be able to speak God's Word to others? Amen. I know I do. That's Acts chapter 4. Go with me to Acts chapter 8. This is the Samaritans. Acts chapter 8, verse 14. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the Word of God... They sent them to Peter and John who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them. They'd only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given, this is Simon the sorcerer, through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money saying, Give me this power also. Can you imagine so that anyone on whom I lay my hands might receive the Holy Spirit. So these Samaritans now have the Holy Spirit, quote-unquote, fall on them. They've already believed, and now the Holy Spirit is falling upon them. Now something supernatural had to take place because Simon the sorcerer wants to purchase this gift to be able to give the Holy Spirit to people. Something happened. We don't know what it was exactly. Uh, it's most likely by the other accounts. It's probably the, the, the gift of speaking in other tongues, but we don't know for sure. But we know something happened. Then go with me to Acts chapter 9 and we see Saul or the Apostle Paul. Look at verse 17, Acts 9, 17. So Ananias departed and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, we don't know about much about Paul's experience here, but we do know that he operated in spiritual gifts. As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 14, 18, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Then go with me to Acts chapter 10. Now, these are Gentiles. Acts 10, verse 44. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Isn't that interesting? How did they know the Holy Spirit had come upon them? For they were speaking with other tongues and extolling God. And let me just stop here for a moment. I would just caution you, because some of my really, really good friends who are cessationists have said, I don't think speaking in tongues is of God. Friends, be very, 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 very careful with saying something like that. You may not understand it. That's okay. But I think Paul would disagree with you. And, and you may say, hey, I just don't believe therefore today. And, and, and that's okay if, if you believe that. I, I don't think that's scriptural, though. There's one verse that says, tongues will, sleep, will cease when that which is perfect has come. Who is perfect? Jesus Christ. Has he come back again? No. So there, there's really no... Um, biblical argument there that, that this has somehow gone away. So you may not understand it. You may have been around some weird really weird experiences. But listen, the Holy Spirit doesn't have to be weird, okay? Let me just free some people right. This doesn't have to be weird. It's another language. You don't have to be freaked out by somebody speaking in another language. Acts 19. Last one we'll look at here. Paul comes upon these disciples who are in Ephesus. And in verse 6, it says, when Paul had laid his hands on them, now the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. So the baptism in the Holy Spirit is an extraordinary spiritual power available to all Christians. Okay, It's available to all Christians. These are Gentiles here. In Acts chapter 19, it's not just for apostles, it's not even just for Jews. Folks, it's available for every single believer. And notice in Acts 19, if you're still there, it says he came upon these disciples. If you go back and you read, there's some, these are disciples, these are already people who are following what would be called the way. And now they receive this beautiful gift. So the baptism in the Holy Spirit is an extraordinary spiritual power available to all Christians. And here's why it's available to aid in the fulfillment of the Great Commission, which brings me to point two. And that, by the way, number one was my by far longest point. We're going to fly through the rest of this. Why is the baptism in the Holy Spirit needed? Why is it essential? Look at verse four again of Acts 1. While staying with them, Jesus ordered these disciples not to depart from Jerusalem. All right, don't go anywhere. Don't start your ministry. But to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So they came together and they asked, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. And watch this. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Jesus has risen, he's, he's now about to ascend to the to the Father, and He tells the disciples, wait, I'm getting ready to ascend when I do. Wait, do not start your ministry. Which tells me something. These disciples are eager to go out and spread the gospel. You know, I'm afraid that Jesus would not have to give that command to us today because we're not necessarily eager to go out and share Christ with people. Hey, wait, wait. They're eager. They're ready to go. But what's Jesus know? They're going to really be confronted with a lot of opposition, with persecution, and they need a power outside of themselves if they're going to fulfill the Great Commission. Amen? The baptism in the Holy Spirit, hear me, is not a novelty item, and it's been made that. This is a tool so that you and I can become effective witnesses for Jesus Christ. It's about having a power outside of ourselves. This is not so we can have, quote-unquote, church. Come on, have you got it? Because we need to have church. Now, certainly, it makes church a little more exciting, I would argue, but that's not the ultimate purpose of it, amen? It's not so you can have a neat experience with God. With much power comes much responsibility, brothers and sisters. And if you don't have a heart for the lost, I would argue you don't need it. This is not for you just to say, oh yeah, I'm super spiritual. No. And please, if you are baptized in the Spirit and you have other people in here or not, do not be arrogant. Do not look down. This ought to be the most humbling experience of your life. What it says to me is uh, the Lord knew that I couldn't do it in and of myself. It's interesting to me that this happened to me right as I started my ministry. Uh, the, I just felt like the Lord said to me, this boy's going to need something. I was 22 years old, as green as they come. As Fern and Larry. They were there. I was as green as they come. And I needed a power that's not of my own. And I'm grateful for the power of the Holy Spirit. So, what's the purpose? It's to empower you and me to be his witnesses. Now, hear me. In the past, in this country, I believe we could get by. It's not preferable still, but I believe we could get by in our witnessing endeavors without the baptism of the Spirit because we haven't really faced much persecution, have we? We've lived amongst people who, by and large, seem to at least have a respect for Christianity. But dear brothers and sisters, it is a new day in the Western world. I believe that across denominations, believers are going to have to reconsider the essentiality of this work. It is getting tougher and tougher to live out this Christian life by the day. It's getting tougher and tougher to win people to Jesus. People are not just, you know, "Ah, I don't really want to hear that. They are militant against Christianity today. They're okay with many other religions, probably any other religion. We're supposed to be open-minded and tolerate. But when it comes to Christianity, this is because, by the way, it's the real thing. When it comes to Christianity, folks, we are hated today by many. But we still have a mission. So let me ask you this. Is the, is the Great Commission completely fulfilled? No, there's still work to do. So you and I, we need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Number three, is this for today? Is it for today? We saw from our journey through Acts that this was certainly not just for the apostles, as some claim, nor was it just for the Jews. Look at Acts 2.38. This is Peter's explanation as to what has happened. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise. And I think looking at context, he is referring not to salvation, but to the promise of the gift of the Holy Spirit. I should say not just salvation. He's talking about the baptism of the, with the Holy Spirit here. This promise is for you and for your children and all who are afar off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. If the Lord has called you, if you are saved, this gift, I believe, from the bottom of my heart is for you. Is it for today?
1: I would argue
0: emphatically yes, yes, and amen. Well, How do you receive this gift? How do you receive it? Number one, i be a little redundant here, but let me just reemphasize, make sure your heart is cultivated for the lost. Again, I go back to Acts chapter 4, and the and verse just strikes me. Or those verses, there just strike me because they're not asking God to baptize them in the Spirit. They're asking God, Lord, our lives are on the line. Would you give us a boldness, and would you confirm what we're saying with signs and wonders? And as they're praying for that, the Holy Spirit comes in and baptizes them afresh, and the Bible says they continue to speak the Word of God boldly. Now, isn't that great? Wow. You've got to make sure your heart's cultivated for the lost. So here's what I would start today. I'm, we're, we're going to have opportunity. I believe people are going to receive this today. Here, here's what I would pray right now, right where you're sitting. Lord, break my heart for the lost. Let me ask you this. Does it bother you that people right outside these doors in this neighborhood, if they were to die today, might go to hell? Or the person in the supermarket? Or the person in the cubicle next to you? I just think we're so engaged in our own lives that we forget the reality of this. We forget why we are here. Your job is not just a job. It's a mission field. Walmart is not just Walmart. Walmart. It's a mission field. Now, I don't feel called to that mission field. My wife does, all right? Any Walmart folk in here? Come on, I need some help because I'm I'm not going, all right? (laughs) Everywhere we go, it's a mission field. We have a purpose, and we need the power of the Spirit. So ask God, Lord, break my heart for the lost. Number two, it's real simple. It's received by faith the way everything else is received. It's not something you earn. You don't have to be a Christian X amount of years and, you know, go through Royal Rangers and missionettes and all this and get a little badge, and then you're ready for the empowering of the Spirit. No, that's not what I see. And if you know Jesus Christ, you have to be saved. If you're not saved, you need to call upon the Lord today. Repent. That's most important. If you're saved, you're walking with Christ. Listen, I just believe this is for you. So if you have a heart for the gospel, this is not some novelty item for you. You say, Lord, oh, give me the boldness to preach at my work when I've been threatened that I'd be fired. Give me the boldness. Give me the boldness at Walmart when I may be laughed at or scolded or called a bigot or whatever. Give me the boldness. And just believe in faith. Let these word, these the, the word of God resonate, just and just bask in in it for, for a while. Just let the Lord begin to use that and build your faith, the Scriptures that we just read. What happens when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Let me just say for those of you who have not experienced anything like this, it's not weird, okay? You're not almost going to die, <laughs> you know? It's nothing, nothing like that. I, I know we hear stories, we hear things. It's, it's not weird. Here's what we know for sure from the Scripture. Okay, I'm just using the Bible. Jesus said you're endued with extraordinary power so you can be his witness. All right? Take it or leave it. That's what he says for sure. Now, the normal initial experience in Acts seems to be the gift of tongues, which is simply, folks, another language. Don't be weirded out by that. It's a beautiful, beautiful gift. All right? Could be a known language. It could be, as Paul talks about, a heavenly language. Let me say this. I don't believe, this is my understanding, okay? I'm not infallible. I don't believe this is something I can teach you to do. I don't think I need to teach you to do this. The Holy Spirit comes upon you. This is what I see through the Scriptures. He moves, and this happens. I will say this. The Holy Spirit does not take over your mouth. He he does not possess you in that way where you're just going to, you know, if, if you ever... It's, that's not what happens. The Bible says this, that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. That means if you have a prophecy, you can control whether you speak that or not. Paul says when you gather together, in, in the book of 1 Corinthians, he said, and you have a, a, prof, a, a prophecy, let each one speak in, in in his turn, basically, and only one at a time. And he puts some other little caveats there, because, which tells me, that even when you hear the Holy Spirit, it's still up to us whether we speak those things or not. So if you say, oh, I, I just can't help it, <laughs> you might want to rethink what's going on, all right? Here's what happens. It, it, it comes in your mind. The Lord will, get, will give you in your mind just as you think of words before you say them. The same thing happens with the unknown language, and you have to speak them out in faith. It's not complicated. It's not weird. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's I just wanted real quick, just to ease some people's minds, if, if, you ha- if you've received this and you have this gift, just to help me, can, can you verify this is not weird, it's not scary, it's awesome, just some hands, all right, I'm not alone in here, I was going to be weird if I was the only one, like, let me close by just telling you my story real quick, some of you have heard it, several years ago, almost 20 years now, just started in ministry and I just felt so ill-equipped. And because uh, I was with some some people who were not of my same denomination, by the way, I love the church I grew up with, uh, grew up in, um, great people, all right. I'm not above them in any, any way. But I was around these different people. One of them being Bob Stamper. There were a couple other people, um, Tappeth Vinoy from the from the Church of God, and uh, Bob was a little different. Can I get an amen? And uh, he and Christy uh, are, are longtime dear friends of, of, of mine. And, and uh, man, I just used to hear some of the stories that Bob would tell, and I was like, really? And I, I, I really believe this about Bob. Bob's not perfect, but I've never known Bob to lie to me. Matter of fact, he's very careful with his words. If he ever sits there and doesn't talk to you, like if you ask him a question, he may not answer you for five minutes. But when he answers you, it's going to be the truth. He wants to make sure he's giving you the facts because words do matter. And Bob would tell me some things. Um, I wish I had time to tell you some of the stories, but let's just say they were powerful. And they led, one in particular I'm thinking of when he was in college, uh, it, was a, it was a miracle with some drug addicts that lived next door to him. And it led him in to be able to share the gospel with them. It was seriously a miracle. And it le- it gave him a platform to be able to share the gospel. And I just began to say, Lord, I want that power. Not, not so I can be praised Lord, I just need help. I, I want everything I can get from you. And so I called Bob up one one Sunday, and I said, Bob, we didn't have Sunday night church. Bob, could I go to church with you and Christy? He said, absolutely. They came by and picked me up. And I didn't tell them, but I was shaking a little bit in the back seat on the way. And Bob and Christy were both on the worship team. And so he, he sits me, folks, on the front row of my first. And this church was not, Pentecostal, it was Pentecostal, all right. I'm Pentecostal, not Pentecostal, You know, there's a difference. I'm just gonna be me, all right. <laughs> on the On the front row, he sits me down in the music. Now, in my church, and I love this music. I, I'm a traditionalist. I love traditional music. It was a, It was an organ and a piano, so it's kind of like this right now. Just Dina, your, your great illustrated sermon right here. But it'd be an organ sound. You don't have to change to that. And you'd have a guy up here going like this. Nothing wrong with that, not knocking that at all. It was glorious. But I heard this music. I was kind of a rocker, right? And I heard this music, and I go, like, you can do this in church? And then I looked around, and people seemed happy. People are raising their hands. Never seen that before. I feel like in the church I grew up in, if I raised my hand, the preacher would stop and go, yes, sir, what's your question? And then I found out the Bible actually talks about some of these things, lifting hands and clapping. I mean, that was crazy, right? Like, you don't clap in church. So, and I'm not, again, I'm not poking fun in case any of those people are listening online. But I remember just being in awe of, of just the atmosphere. And I had prayed, and Bob, I don't think I shared this with you guys. Maybe I did. It's been 20 years. This is the best of my knowledge, I'd ask the Lord, Lord, when I go here, I want a verse-by-verse teaching, because I'm a Bible guy. I don't want to hear somebody's opinion. I want to hear verse-by-verse teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I want to hear about spiritual gifts and see if this is really a real thing or if Bob's just smoking something. I didn't know. So the pastor, the music's done, and uh, Bob finally comes over to me. And uh, so I'm not alone up there. I was scared. And uh, the other thing, I, when I thought of Pentecostal church, i never been to one, but I had thought about spitting and screaming pastors. And, like, I was afraid I was going to get wet in the front row, right? So, and I didn't want to be hollered at. I just want to be taught. I just want to hear the Scripture. And here's what happens. This is the best of my knowledge, recollection. The pastor, he just sits there like this. He, he's, on, he's at his pulpit, something like this. I'm sitting right there. And he's just doing this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, I'm, right. I'm like, great, he's talking to himself. <laughs> These people are crazy. <laughs> then he says, he calls to his elders, and he says, come here, and he has them bring their pulpit, the pulpit down here, which is really awesome because it, it's, it means I'm in teaching mode, not preaching mode, right? And he, he brings, he has them just real comfortable. He's, he's right there, so he's he's like this distance from me now. I don't know how I felt about that really, but, and he begins, and he says this. I'm like, what's he doing, what's he doing? He says, hey, normally on Sunday evenings, we have a hooping and hollering time, which means they get Pentecostal, right? He said, the Holy Spirit has instructed me tonight to do a verse-by-verse teaching on the baptism in the Holy Spirit. All right, Jesus. All right. Sometimes you just have to be that blunt with me, right? Because I can be stubborn. And friends, the church I was scared to walk into It was a little different. At the end of that, before he could even get the words out, if you want to receive this, I was scared to walk in the door. Now, he looked at me kind of funny because before he even finished his sentence, he had walked back on the platform, and I was right here like this in a church I'd never been in before. And that night, the Holy Spirit clothed, Jesus baptized me in the Holy Spirit. I was clothed with power clothed with power, a peace came upon me and I spoke in a language that I've never that I've never learned. That's a beautiful thing. Was it weird? To me, it was peaceful. And I've never been the same since. Not perfect. Have a long way to go in sanctification. But praise God for this beautiful gift. I just tell you that, listen, if this is something that's new to you, I feel you. All right no pressure here no pressure here but I would just invite you to stand as the praise team comes here's my heart for preaching this there are way too many empty seats in here and I don't have an ego problem where I need my church to be filled but I have a a problem with the city that's broken and need to be sitting here it's about them it's not about me okay okay I've gotten over. I, I used to really care how many people here. I just asked God, send me faithful ones. So you're the answer to that. There's broken people, and I believe if we're going to be as effective as possible, I'm not saying you can't do any good without this, or you can't know God without this, all right? Say this very humbly, but if you want to be the best witness you can be, and you want to walk as, in as much power as you can be, whew, I, I just I hope that you'll just ask God for this today just imagine it work if if somebody that you've tried to witness to is has a real need I mean a, a physical need whatever it might be and you pray for them and they actually receive healing guys that stuff happens okay I don't believe we sit on the throne I don't believe we command God what to do but I believe the Lord works through our prayers through us okay I believe in those miracles guys it's happened to me twice in my life two years uh, no no sorry a lot longer than that. Eight years ago, now, ten years ago now. Wow, time flies. I was di- diagnosed with this blood disorder. They say it never comes back as a false positive. I went to a Chris Tomlin concert of all places with my music director. This was in Tucson, actually, Brent. And uh I felt the Lord at that concert just give me the gift of faith. I knew I was healed. I knew it. I knew it. The doctor told me, you know, it never comes back. You know, it's never wrong. It's never a false positive. This this test is absolute. And it was a debilitating disease. And I just knew at that concert, I mean, I was, I was heart sick going and, and Pastor David George prayed for me there. He put his hand on me. And at that moment I knew the Lord's taking care of it. He's not done with me. He's not done with me. And so I just, I just remember having that peace. A couple of days later, the doctor calls back and he says, and this is when we had cordless phones. I'm on my cordless phone. Right. And he, and he says to me, Chris. I don't know what happened. And I just right then about dropped the phone. Hallelujah! But you're completely fine. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about how you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ, or if you have questions about our church, you can email us at info at myrealchurch.org.